Welcome to Restitch America, a podcast about restoring civility, strengthening patriotism, and rebuilding unity in America. My name is Almohine Opari. As an immigrant for nearly two decades and a new American citizen, I created this show to help heal our national conversation, to rekindle our pride in our country, and to rebuild our sense of patriotism through optimism, civility, and willful positivity. Now sit, relax, and let's restitch America. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Restitch America. My name is Samuel Hinoapari, and I'm very excited to be here with you today. This is episode number eight of season two, and this is our very first episode of 2024. And today I have a very special guest for you. Her name is Mackenzie. Mackenzie is a Brazilian-American citizen that's been living in the United States for the past eight years. She's a teacher at a charter school, and she's been or she's seen the destruction of American values in our school system and in our society in general. She decided to speak up and created her TikTok account three months ago, where she compares the things that are happening here in the U.S., with things that already happened in her home country in Brazil. As she talks about the disastrous results of certain policies being adopted here in America. Mackenzie is new to TikTok and other social media platforms, but she is growing an organic following. And now she has about 13,000 followers. Her goal is to ensure that her voice keeps getting heard. And so today I'm very excited to bring Mackenzie to you. So um, I'll give you a little bit of a background on how Mackenzie and I actually met. So um, I started seeing her videos talking about the differences between Brazil and America. And I don't know if you've been on social media before, but it's a thing to bash America nowadays. When you, when you turn on social media, a lot of people just seem to um, hate America for some reason. And most of them are Americans, many of them living here in this country. And then also you see a lot of videos where people compare America to other countries, especially when they've moved to a foreign country. And they always make it seem as though America, you know, has all these flaws, has all these issues, and living somewhere else is way better. And they have much, much better lives. I have made a video talking about that. And I saw Mackenzie's video doing that comparison. And so I wanted to talk to her. And I reached out to her only to find out that she was following me. She's been following me for a couple mm -hmm. of um, years as well. So that I thought was very interesting. So Mackenzie and I talked for about an hour and a half a couple of days ago. We hit it off quite well. And I invited her to come to Restitch. I invited her to come to Restitch America so that she could share some of her thoughts with us, especially in 2024, considering that this year is an election year. So Mackenzie, thank you so much for coming to Restitch America. And we're really glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you invited me for this podcast. Um, and it is very funny, such a coincidence that you would reach out to me when actually you were one of the, the people that actually inspired me to, to start using my voice and to start talking about um, these issues that you know, for some reason, I felt really um, alone. I felt like no other immigrants would agree with me or other American people, because like you said, 
it is a very common thing nowadays to see people bashing America. And um, when you think differently, um, it is hard to 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 just be brave and, and use your voice and, and talk about the things you're seeing. So when I saw your videos, um, I think it was about a year ago or something like that. I did not have this account where, you know, I'm making videos about uh, Brazil and how things are there. And here I just had like my private TikTok account, you know, like posting things about my family and stuff. Uh, but I would, I was following you and, um, you, you definitely inspired me to, to start saying more things. So that's, I'm really happy that it happened the way it did. Thank you so much. Now, um, sometimes I wake up and as I'm doing this and I wonder to myself, does this mean anything, right? Is it making any difference? And when I hear something like that from you, it gives me a little bit of hope that, um, sometimes your voice you know, yeah. is carried much farther than you ever realize. And the most important thing is to open your mouth and of say course, what you yeah. believe, right? Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. And I'm glad that I played a small role in helping you find your voice and giving you the courage to stand up for the things that you believe in. So let's start from the beginning. We, I want to learn a little more about you. So mm -hmm. tell me about your upbringing in Brazil. And what eventually brought you to America? Okay, so um, I was born and raised in Brazil in a big city called Sao Paulo. Um, it's a state and a city. So uh, Brazil is a very diverse country, as you may already know. And then people um, look at Brazil different ways right because when you say brazil there are some people who will think like okay that's a very poor country and some other people will be like oh no brazil's economy is really great um and i think we we got a little bit of both in in brazil the thing is um there's this communist idea that's been fed to people in brazil for a very long time and now we're starting to see the results of everything that happened, let's say, 10, 15 years ago. So, but when it comes to myself, um, I grew up in a very traditional family. Um, we were pretty poor, right? Um, I, I was just talking to my friend the other day. I think the first time I ever drank a can of uh, soda, I was like 12 or 13 years old because that was not a thing for us, right? Like just being able to afford soda, like that that's not what normal people do, like, you know, working people do in Brazil. I mean, maybe now because things are a little bit different, but, and you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, snacks, like little things that we see here every single time, every single day, like those were like very luxury items for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I had amazing parents that always, you know, worked really hard to make sure that I had what I, what I needed. Um, but I always knew that that was not right. You know, like I, I always had this feeling like, why, why do my, why do my parents work so hard and we're still like living like this? And when I started growing up a little bit more, um, I would say like in 
when I was about 13, 14 years old, I started becoming really interested in uh, learning English. I really wanted to do that because I also sing. So I've always loved singing. And then I, I looked up, um, you know, American celebrities and singers, and I wanted to sound like them. So I think the the language was, was what brought me closer to America because I would be like watching these videos. And I remember in my 15th birthday, I asked my dad for a dictionary because I wanted to see what those words meant. The internet was really limited at that time. So we didn't have like access to it whenever we wanted. So that dictionary, I still have it. It's it's a something that I keep as a treasure because I remember like that was the, I like to call it the beginning of the rest of my life because <laughs> I now, you know, I teach English. I've been teaching English for um, 10 years and um, yeah. And then when I was 17, I heard about this program called um, All Pair. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but you basically come to the United States. It's a very affordable program. Well, at least it, it was affordable back then because um, it costs, I think, $600. And at that time, the dollar was not so um, high like compared to Brazilian uh, reels. So I think $1 was like two Brazilian reels. So it was a very, very affordable program. So you come to the United States and then you take care of children, you know, for family, like you have a host family and then um, they will pay for you like to go to school and you stay, you, you can stay with them for a year, um, up to two years if you want to, and then you can change families. So I was like, okay, th this this is a perfect program for me because I don't have much money. I really want to go like I've I've been dreaming about, you know, going to this place for a very long time. And then I started working. I worked for uh, two years. Yeah, I started working when I was 16. And then I said, when I turn 18, I'm going to take my driver's license because you need a driver's license to participate in the program because you're going to be like driving the kids and stuff. So I took my driver's license, which was very expensive in Brazil. Just, just so you have an idea, like my driver's license actually cost me more than the program itself. Wow. So, uh-huh. Yeah, it is insane. Insane. Um, and then that's what I did. So right after I turned 19, I I came to America. Um, I lived in, um, well, not Philadelphia, but a city that was kind of like... Um, I would say 20 minutes away from Philadelphia. Um, I took care of three kids. And uh, again, that was like the moment I realized I, I want to be here. Like, I don't want to go back home. Uh, I was still very young. So I ended up going back home. And but I knew that I was going to have to find a way to come back. So I stayed for a year and then I moved back to Brazil but always with that thought, like, I'm going to do something to go back there. And, it, and you know, like, immigrating here legally is difficult because, especially before, like, it didn't have many options. I think the only options were through marriage. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to get married at 20 years old. So <laughs> I... That was not an option for me at all. So I kept, like, looking for different things and then... um. I was 20 when I came back, so I had already 
um, started college and then I finished my college. Um, so when I started my master's degree, um, and I was already teaching English, like my life, you know, just changed so much after I came back because my English got just so much better and I was able to um, find different jobs in Brazil at very good English schools. Um, but long story short, I ended up getting um, an invitation to go to South Dakota for my master's degree to stay there for six months uh, because they were opening their um, first ESL school. Um, and then they wanted people with experience like teaching English and foreigners who wanted to, you know, travel abroad and all of these things. So I met this very nice professor. He he just opened the way for me. Um, and then that's what I did. So I went to South Dakota and I that that's how it all started. And I, you know, I had my student visa and everything. And then it was a long process, like you probably know, <laughs> like until I get my citizenship, until I got my citizenship last year. So, but that's, okay, that's so how you're it all brand started. New American citizen. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. And you are too, right? I am. I, I became a citizen in 2021 after 18 yeah. years of being in America. Wow. And that so, is crazy. Congratulations. Uh, welcome to American thank Citizenship. You. So, Thank you for sharing your background, your story. Do you have any siblings? Um, no and yes. So I grew up as an only child. Uh, but when I was 13 years old, my father got married again. You know, my parents got divorced. My father got married again and he had another child. But I think I've only seen her like three or four times in my life. So I am an only child. You know, I had a, mm -hmm. I grew up as an only child. I do have a little sister. I, I don't like saying I don't have any siblings because poor Sabrina, you know, she's there. She exists. <laughs> so live but exactly. Like we yeah. we have never had um like this sort of relationship. And but yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we have a little bit of a background on you. So mm -hmm. one thing I want to go back just briefly back to Brazil and Tell me uh, very briefly, what did you think about America? What was the sentiment that you had about America prior to your experience here? Outside of, you know, watching videos and so on, what did you think about America in general? When I was in Brazil or when, mm -hmm. I, when I actually came Before you came here. here for the first time. Before I came here. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, I thought America was a place of opportunities where I could you know, improve myself and, and just become better. Like I, I would be able to afford things that I would never be able to afford in, in my country. And I had already like met people that had been living here in the United States. And, uh, you know, you, you talk to them, even though I was very young. Um, Cause again, like in Brazil, for example, owning a car is very difficult like you, you and and I remember this lady, she was uh, my best friend's aunt and and she would tell us all the time like, oh, yeah, I just got a brand new car or I just traveled to this place, that place. And, and for us, it's like that that sounds 
crazy because only very, very rich people do that. And she would tell us, no, here in America, like if you're a waiter or waitress, like you're going to have a good life. You you don't have to be because in Brazil, like you, you, you can have a good life, but you have to be like a doctor or a lawyer. You have to have hold like a very high position in society to be able to make money. Like you have to be a businessman, like regular workers they just suffer so much like they have to take the bus every day to work and it, it's they, it's just like my parents you know like they only worked 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 and never really um got anything so i just had so, this vision like oh it's it's yeah. a great place so did america meet your expectations when you got here oh absolutely even more even more because um, I remember people complaining about how much an au pair made because we made money through that program. We made $200 a week. So it was like $800 a month. Um, and everybody's like, oh, that's, you know, that's not enough. Like we need to make more, blah, blah, blah. But I remember like I didn't have to pay rent. I didn't have to pay for a car or anything. So those $800, like, I lived a dream, you know, I could go to different stores and like get myself new clothes, things that were, and for a young girl, like this is a young girl's perspective because a lot of people may think like, oh, you're just talking about materialistic things, but think about it this way. Like for me as an 18 year old girl in Brazil, like getting a pair of jeans was something like out of this world we, we do that like once every two years so now here i can go and just get myself like i don't know two bags of brand new clothes like how crazy is that so yeah it definitely did it definitely did and, and plus the opportunities the opportunities like if you want to work you can start working like immediately. I remember I used to help my neighbor because she was an old lady and she wanted me to like trim the, the the little trees that she had in her backyard. And I would do that like so easily. And she'd give me like 50 bucks, 60 bucks. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. So yeah. <laughs> that's That's great to hear. So you are now in, in America, you start going to school here and so on and so forth. When did you start doing these comparisons between America and Brazil, just in your mind, in your own kind of private setting? When did you start noticing? So you talked about in your intro that you saw basically the policies and the ideas that have placed Brazil where it is today versus the ideas of the American founding and and the ideas that have made America what it is today. So when did you start noticing these ideas and the differences between the two philosophies in, in the two different countries? I think it became more clear to me when this, um, probably like after the pandemic, because we've all seen like a big change in America after that. You know, like people are all against America now and, and thinking that, uh, and, and also after the elections, you know, when they tried and did everything to say that one candidate was like the devil when it wasn't the reality. So a lot of things started to to just ring a bell in my head, like, 
wow, like, I, I feel like I, I'm having a deja vu because all of these things actually happened in my country. You know, this idea that being rich is wrong, for example, that's something that's always been very, very present in Brazil. You know, like being successful, we always joke around, we say being successful in Brazil is a crime, you know, because when you're successful, you become a target and then you don't have a voice anymore. You can say anything because all oh, you're privileged, you're this, you're that. Like we were used to hearing those things in Brazil, but I had never heard such things here. But then like during the pandemic and after the pandemic, I started hearing people saying the exact same things. You know, they were uh, saying like, okay, rich people are the problem. And and when the whole, like the, the billionaires, it's all about them. Like we're, we're living like this because of the billionaires. And I'm like, no, you're not, you know? And, and that's when that bell rang. But if you're talking about like noticing how life is like different, you know, here and there, like I've always knew, I, I, I have always known about that, like, for sure. But um, I, I just wanted to add a, a little thing here. I feel like in the past couple of years, we've had a change um, in, in our politics here in America, because now we talk about communism, you know, like we have a party that actually defends this idea or people who like who supports that party that are defending these ideas. Whereas before I never saw that. Like it was more like, okay, if you're a liberal, you, uh, you, you just want like more freedom of choice. Like, even though you don't agree with, let's say an abortion, but you, you understand that, you know, if, if someone wants to go ahead and do that, then they should be able to, or like, you know, like gay marriage and stuff. Like it was more about that, like smaller issues, but then now I feel like it's it's become something about capitalism and how they want to destroy it. And that's when it got really scary for me, like in my opinion, because they don't know what they're fighting for. They really don't. They think they're going to accomplish something by destroying capitalism. The only thing they're going to accomplish is their own destruction. And that's why I wanted to talk to people. That because sometimes I see people supporting like these ideas and I look at them and I go like, oh, Lord, you don't know what you're fighting for, friend. You're going to be so screwed if what you want, if what you want, if what you're fighting for actually happens that I can only like try and help you like that. That's what I can do. Right. Because I I don't see you as an enemy. And I think we we talked about it, right? Like not looking at at people as like opponents or anything like it, because we want the same thing. Like we want to live good lives, but they think they're going to be able to live good lives through socialism and 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 communism, which is just very far from the truth. And and that is something that. Um, I agree with you perfectly on when I came to America, I came here in 2003 originally. And back in the day, when you would tell people or you would say that person is a socialist, it was such a pejorative. It was such an insult. Yeah. like Democrats didn't accept that label. Um, mm -hmm. And then I remember I was listening to 
um, a talk show um, host, and he said, mark my words, a time will come when they will accept the label of socialism because the principles, they already had those principles, but they never, it was almost like there was a curtain, right? There was a curtain. And so, I, you know, when Democrat politicians will speak, they will usually say, well, we are not socialists. We still believe in the free market and capitalism. And, but we knew that their principles did not match those words. And, and this person said, a time will come when the masks will, will go off. And it, it happened exactly as you described. Today, all over social media, especially on the platform TikTok, you find a lot of people who are promoting openly, openly promoting oh, yeah. communism, Marxism, and openly promoting um, socialism. It's no longer a pejorative. And today we have people in Congress who call themselves democratic socialists. We even had a presidential candidate who calls himself a democratic socialist, right? And so now the masks are off. And people are actually embracing these things that we believe as immigrants, um, you know, some of us coming from countries that were embracing these principles, we know that that is the path to destruction. That it is, is the path to destruction. It destroys ambition. It destroys values. It destroys people and it destroys societies. And it takes away the fundamental freedoms that are necessary for the functioning and progress of any society. And unfortunately, a lot of the younger generation in America, because they take so many things for granted, they don't realize that what they're clamoring for is basically clamoring for their own destruction. And I think the way that this has been allowed to fester is that we've moved away from a radical understanding of facts and reality and the true nature of human beings. And our society has become more and more driven by emotion. Mm -hmm. When you are driven by emotion, it is very easy for someone to come and tell you and paint a picture of communism as a system where we're all equal and because it looks very pretty right and that that's all they want oh it looks great but how are you going to make it happen exactly exactly how are you going to make it happen and how are you going to do that and maintain people's civil liberties how are you going to do that and maintain freedom how are you going to be able to do that and maintain the constitution of the united states and my answer they're to that not, is that, that's why they want to change it. They they're not going to be able to do that. And I don't know um, for you, uh, the audience. Many of you are American citizens, so I don't know that you know this. But as immigrants, when we apply to become American citizens, one of the things that we have to swear to is that we are not supporting the ideas of communism. It, yeah, and I don't know if a lot of people know that. So as immigrants. We, as American, or in order to become American, or even to come into this country, we have to establish that we don't support communism. And because those are American principles. Exactly. This is the foundation of this country. It's really funny that we come here and then we see American teachers in American schools promoting these ideas to our children. 
yeah. the children of immigrants, <laughs> which is, is kind of backwards. And so we are now the people sounding the alarm. Go ahead. I I was just go. It, it's interesting that you talked about children of immigrants because I've been noticing that those kids are becoming problems because their parents are doing a terrible job at explaining where they came from and they're just giving them everything and you know they're too busy to to take care of them or whatever and those kids they take the label of victims because they are like immigrants right they oh you know i'm from mexico like my family's mexican and stuff but you were born here you had all the american privileges and you don't know what you're talking about because i do see a lot of immigrants but they're always like they're never first generation immigrant immigrants it's always their kids first generation immigrants like us we're all on the same page because we have been there. We know what it's like wanting to do like a, a simple thing. Like I want to go out to eat with my mom tonight and having to wait three, four, five months until you can afford it, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know, such a simple thing. Or, you know, I've been working my whole life. I just want to be able to travel somewhere and you just can't because a plane ticket is not something that's affordable for a, a middle-class citizen, right? So the, the, the our children, and that's why I, I have two kids and I know you have kids too. I, my kids are still little, but one thing that I want to make sure I tell them all the time is where we came from and why we're here and all the sacrifices that it took. Because one thing nobody talks about is that we would much rather be in our countries, right? My family's there. I like Brazil. I wish Brazil was a better place. So then I wouldn't have to leave. I could just live my life there and, you know, be a proud Brazilian, conquer my things and retire and live my life in peace. But unfortunately, you can't. So when you move to a different country, you're making a lot of sacrifices. You're leaving a lot of things behind. And sometimes we forget to tell our kids that. They feel as though as... You know, we're we're just here and then that's it. They never again, they I feel like this younger generation, they don't really like thinking things through. It's it's all very superficial, right? Oh yeah, my mom came from Brazil. Okay, but why? How? When? You know, how did how did that happen? And most kids don't even know. How to answer those questions. I, I'm a teacher and I have a lot of immigrant students. Some of them were born abroad. Some were born here, but they've all been here for a very long time. And sometimes I go, okay, lots of kids from Ethiopia. So why did your parents come here? Like, what, what's the history behind it? I don't know. Oh, Really? And it's a lot of them. They don't know their own history. They don't know 
you know, how hard things are back home. They they just don't. And I don't know if parents are ashamed of sharing that with their kids or I don't know what that is, but I see that a lot. That is that is very interesting. Um, and I I wanted to agree with you on the idea that we would much rather be in our own country. And I don't know if you you have this experience, but sometimes after being in the U.S. for a long time, I start romanticizing my home country a little bit where I'm like, maybe it wasn't so bad. And maybe maybe I am just, you know, exaggerating how things were. And then I go visit <laughs> I was going to say that until you go visit and you're like, and oh then my I go gosh, visit I need to go for back. a little bit. And no, um, you know, my country has developed um, leaps and bounds beyond, you know, what it was when I was there. And I acknowledge the progress that has been made. So I'm not, you know, necessarily saying that, you know, nothing has changed. However, when I go back, it doesn't take very long to realize that you know, certain things have not changed. Oh, yeah. Certain things have not changed. And and sometimes people ask me, um, what is the difference between your home country and America? And the thing that I have I've learned to tell them is this. I say, in my home country, I could dream. In America, I can do. In America, That's- I can wake up in the morning, have an idea go to Home Depot, buy some prototype materials and start building that idea mm-hmm. on the same day. This yeah. is a place where you can actually take the things, your ambitions and actually begin to put them into action. And what I felt like I was doing all the time in my home country was daydreaming because I could think about the ideas and I could imagine what I wanted to do. But then something as simple as going to the store and buying the thing that I needed to begin the process was mm-hmm. not there. That, that's what people don't don't think about. Um, again, something as simple as going to Home Depot and getting a couple of things, you know, something that anyone here can do. Anyone in Brazil or in, um, you're from Guan, right? Ghana. From Ghana. So those things are almost impossible, right? You would have to save money for a whole month. And then when you finally save that money, there's something else that happens. And then you have to spend that money on that. So, and and, and a lot of times when I'm trying to explain this to people, they go like, oh, but you're only focusing on the money aspect of it. But, But that's it. Money is freedom. And the absence of money means that you don't have freedom. And that that's as simple as that. And then they go, oh, so you see money is the problem. And that's why they're now trying to merge into this like, oh, socialism idea or, or communism idea. Because- we abolish money. I saw a video recently um, where someone was talking about, oh, you know, the hunter-gatherers, they just had you know, a barter system and it worked. And once you introduce money, that's when greed comes in and, and all these different things. And I'm like, the, oh, these are the principles taught in Brazil. 
<laughs> I'm telling like they they that's what they've been teaching everyone for a very, very long time. You know that money means like that you're you're going to do whatever it takes. So money destroys people and it destroys families. And it's always like that. So they always make that uh, association uh, between money and destruction. Always. So, and that's why people are like this nowadays. So I had a, or I have a mentor who um, said this about money for me, and it, it changed my perspective. Um, he said, I don't work so hard because I want to make a lot of money. And he said, I don't call it money. And just like you described it, he says, I call it freedom points. I want mm -hmm. more freedom points. And if I work hard, I earn more freedom points. And I can use that freedom for whatever I want, whether it is to bless other people's lives or whether it is to, to give opportunity to my community, whether it is to help my children achieve their dreams, whatever it is, is I have the freedom points to be able to do so. And that's right. how I look at it. And so we're we're working hard so that we can eliminate or remove the shackles that hold you down, right? And that's that's what I'm I'm doing here. And one of the things you said, which is this the second generation of immigrants. So I have four kids. Um, my oldest is 16, going on 17. And when we talk about our country and where we came from and the struggles that we had to deal with and, and all those different things, when we share that story with them, sometimes the response we get is, that was your life, right? That was your life. That's not our experience. So, you know, comparing how you lived versus how we live today is irrelevant because this is that is not our life. And the only reason why we share that with them is to help them gain the perspective of, of the course, privilege that yeah. they have here, to understand the privileges that they have here, the opportunities that are open to them. And to ensure that at any point, they don't ever see themselves as victims in this system. And I've, I've tried to teach my kids that if the only thing that could hold you back is yourself, your choices, and your ambition, right? And there's nothing, I believe, nothing that is structurally or systemically holding you back. And so the limits the only limits that exist for you in America are the limits that you place on yourself. And, and that's the hope that I, I, I want to embed, not only in my children, but I hope that through our voices, that we can begin to rekindle this sense of American privilege, right? People don't realize the privilege that they have. And that's why I found your video so inspiring, because you are helping Americans understand the privilege that they have. And one way that I've called myself, described myself recently is that I am a cheerleader for America. I feel like mm -hmm. America needs cheerleaders. It's, right. it's become now a thing, as we said in the beginning, to bash America. And it is hard. 
I believe the traditional American conservative, I, I feel like it is hard to get those people to be the spokespeople for America. And so people like you and I have a unique opportunity to speak up for American values, to speak up for the reason why we came here. We came here for things like the rule of law. We came here yeah. for things like a free market. We came here for things like individual liberty and freedom. We came here for the idea that anyone has the potential to be great and that if they apply themselves, if they take the opportunities that come before them, that they can make something of themselves. And a lot of American kids are growing up today believing that that is not the case, believing mm -hmm. that the system is rigged against them, believing that there's no way they can get out of it. And the only solution that is being offered today is to destroy the system. Nobody's saying, let's make the system better. Nobody's saying, let's, let's you know, let's fix the problems that we have in the system. A lot of these kids are growing up thinking we need to abolish capitalism. We need to abolish the free market. We need to abolish all these things. And the funny thing, the irony in all of that, and I think we'll kind of wrap up here, the irony in all of that is they're saying that the system of government in America is not working for the little guy. And guess what they want to do? They want to embrace a system of government that actually gives more power to the same government that they believe is failing the American Exactly. People. That is the irony. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest irony in this whole entire discussion, that they want to give more power to the same government that they blame for mismanaging a system. Yeah, I always say that capitalism is not good or bad, like it's not evil or the good guy. Capitalism is reality. You know, you have something that I want. I have to give you something that you want in exchange for that. Right. That's how the world has always been. If even when we didn't have money, we would exchange things and if there weren't things, then we would, I don't know. I was just telling my mom the other day, like I said, we, th that's our nature, right? That's like, why nature. would I give you something if I'm not getting anything back? Like this doesn't make any sense. And I don't know where they come from when, when they talk about communism and things. Cause like you said, don't they think about like, how it's actually going to work. These are the people who love, you know, different options. They like traveling. They like a comfortable life. Do they not understand that if communism is, you know, the, the, the system that we're using, they, they are not going to have many choices. They're going to have to go with what the the powerful people are telling them to do. And, and it's been proven in, in places like Cuba and China and all of these places. And that's another thing that drives me completely nuts. The fact that there are people now trying to defend Cuba and say that they are a democracy, that, you know, things are just not so good over there because of the United States. It's always the intervention same that with, the United States has. Same with Venezuela. Same exactly. With it's always the USA. Oh, come on now. Like those are 
it, it's it's kind of like the same excuse over and over again. And most of these people, they don't even know what the Cold War was. They don't know what what what's the the um, the weight that you know communism and 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 socialism and and capitalism have in the world. Like there's a history of a lot of things that already happened that I think when when um, you know that saying like. Um, it starts with hard times create strong men, strong make strong men create um, easy times, and then easy times create weak men. So I think it, it's like a process because now we're like almost a hundred years away from like the Cold War and the Berlin Wall and all of these things. So people are starting to forget about those. And, and they don't learn their history anymore. And if they do, they learn it from very manipulated sources that are telling them, again, that idea that capitalism is so evil. Oh, uh, people will tell you that communism killed, killed like this many people. But if you look at capitalism, it kills people every day. Capitalism has never killed a single person in the world. What has killed people in the world is the lack of management that powerful people, the same people that you want to give all the power in the world to, have in regards what they're doing with their countries. So, again, capitalism is not the good guy, but it's not the bad guy either. It is just the reality. It's not a system to be. It's not a system to be loved, or you know, it is what it is. I, I want something, I need to give that person, whoever has what I want, something also, something that they want, whether so it's money. If The way I will summarize it is capitalism is the byproduct of free people exercising their freedom. Yeah, like yeah, that exact, is the exactly. That is the byproduct. So uh -huh. people don't set out and say, let's do capitalism. When you give people freedom, and they are able to freely interact with each other, capitalism is what breaks out. And that is why any other system is not compatible with freedom. Any other system is not compatible with individual choices, individual rights, individual freedoms, and so on and so forth. And, and I've asked some of my communist or socialist friends, I've said, if you achieve socialism, what do you do with people like me who will not comply? And what is the answer to that? What has communism done to any dissenters? What has it, communism right? and socialism done to those people who don't comply? And don't you find it so funny that they're so against guns? Like, for example, in Brazil, we're not able to have guns, right? Because these people have fought... And they got what they wanted. They got what they wanted. We are not allowed to get any guns. Like good citizens do not have guns. And then you look at Brazil's numbers and you're going to see that our gun violence numbers are much higher than the United States. And oh, but you're not allowed to have a gun there. No, but the criminals are right because they have all the guns that they want. When are people going to realize that criminals do not follow the laws? So you're trying to take away my freedom of having a gun to protect myself and my family because your reasoning is 
uh, okay, so now criminals are not going to purchase guns because I said so, because I signed a law saying that it's prohibited. That's not going to happen. And again, we go back to that first point we were talking about, how people don't look deeper. Like they, they have very superficial visions, like, oh, guns are bad. Okay, ban them. That that No, that's not how you look at things. And again, they're being taught not to think critically. They're being taught not to ask any questions. They're being taught to just, you know, their their attention spam is actually terrible. I work with kids every day and I see that. They're, they all go on TikTok. They watch 10 second videos all the time. They get impatient about everything. So anything that takes time, anything that, uh, you know, will actually help them develop their skills and stuff. It's too much for them. Oh, no, this is making me depressed. Oh, no, this is making my anxiety go off. And hey, listen, life is not easy. And again, the, now we go back to uh, easy times make weak people. They're, this generation is weak, just weak. They don't know anything. If they have to, I don't know, So. <laughs> To do something as simple as learn how to ride a bike. They may not learn it because, oh no, that's too hard. That's going to frustrate me. And a lot of times when you when you speak like that, people go, oh, you are so insensitive. Like you, you can't be making fun of people's feelings. And how, But listen, I actually feel bad nowadays for people who are actually going through depression, who are actually going through pro like problems with their anxiety that have like real mental illnesses because nowadays it's like, okay, everybody has it. If I wake up tomorrow and I call the school and I say, hey, I'm having an episode here. Um, I'm having a panic attack and I I, I just can't go to school. They're not going to be able to ask me any questions. I can guarantee you that they're not able to ask me any questions. They're just going to let me stay home and that's going to be it. And again, we don't look at it in a way like, okay, there are people who go through that and that's awful. They need to be taken care of. They need help. But there are also so many people that take advantage of it. This thing happened, uh, this is a funny story, but uh, my boss, her, her daughter is, um, she's a police officer. She's young. She's 20 years old. She got shot, uh, shot in the leg like three months ago. She was, you know, just pulled this guy over and he shot her out of nowhere. So, and she's a strong lady, strong lady, like both emotional, emotionally and physically. She handled that amazingly. Now she's back at work. And guess what? The guy who was not even present, but just came over, the other cop that came over to take her to the hospital, he took a, a leave because he said that was too traumatizing for him. He didn't get shot. He didn't see anything that happened. He just drove her to the hospital. And now he's going to be away for a whole year getting paid. And nobody can ask him any questions. Nobody can be like, oh, maybe you, you, you shouldn't be a cop. Like if you're this sensitive, you know, maybe this is not the right job for you. When we, when we started like being uh censored because this is this is what censorship is like you cannot ask questions 
You you just tell me, hey, uh, Mackenzie, I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm having a panic attack and and I can't. Um, I don't know. You have let's say you work for me and I can't go to work today. Am I not able to ask you any questions? Am I not able to investigate what's happening? And the the answer to that is no, no, you're not. Because again, they made it such a thing that now we have to trust everybody and everybody's got good intentions and everybody's the good guy. Reality is not that at all. Okay. So we are about an hour in and I know this conversation could go even longer. But we have to wrap up. So, um, Mackenzie, thank you so much for coming to Restitch America. This is not going to be the last time we have you on here because I love these conversations. And I'm hoping that we can continue conversations like this. And I've started talking to Mackenzie about, you know, allowing voices like ours to get out more. And and so we have some ideas in the works. So stay tuned for some of those ideas. But the goal is to identify people like me, like Mackenzie, um, other immigrants that I've brought onto the show and put together some kind of, I would say it's almost like an intervention for America, like America's intervention, right? From the perspective of immigrants to share with people, this is why we came here. This is why America is great. These are the principles and values that have kept this country great. And this is what we're losing if we don't correct course, right? That's the message that we want to share, especially in the election year, because every choice that people are making at the ballot box, they're not, in many cases, not realizing that it is tied to the future of America and it's tied to whether we're going to lose this great experiment. Exactly. Yeah. Right. No, and I'm I'm really excited about um, this whole thing and just being in touch with you. Um, you have great ideas, and I think we share a, a very um, a lot of common thoughts. Right. We want to have mm-hmm. our voices heard. We want to talk to people who actually disagree with us, so maybe they can look at things from a different perspective. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about everything that's about to come and hopefully we can find other immigrants that, um, look at America the same way as, as we do. And I think it's not hard to do so because once again, I think every first time, uh, first generation immigrant will have that same experience because they've been through very difficult lives in their countries. And now that they're here, they're able to appreciate it. It's very different when you're, when you're actually born here and your parents are immigrants. Not all of the, not, not all of those kids see America the way we do. Right. So, and it's important that we do it now because like we, we talked on the phone, we're one generation away from losing all of these great things that we have here in America. So our voices really matter. And I'm just looking forward to that. Thank you so much. I'm really excited for what is to come. And uh, to our audience, um, thank you so much for your support. Um, Your continued support is why we keep doing this. Um, And over the last year, I just wanted to tell you, I got, um, so on Spotify, you get a recap of the year. And when I got that, and um, I got all the summary about our podcast. 
Um, I know that, you know, we're a small platform, you know, we don't have hundreds of thousands of listeners or anything like that, but I think this is why this matters. The reason why it matters is that we need to convince ourselves that even if our voices can go to just a few people, it takes only a few people to make change. It takes only yeah. a few people to make change. And so I'm glad that you support us. I'm glad that you're helping move this forward. And this year, I hope to bring you more voices like Mackenzie's and I hope to also give you more opportunities to support the causes that we're working on. And I'm, I'm looking forward to a great year this year. And also, one last thing I'm going to say, this year is the very first time I, Mackenzie and I, are going to have the opportunity to vote in a presidential election yeah. in America. And so and that's a big year, deal. we're going to share our experiences with you as we geared towards that. For me, it will be the very first time I get to vote for any president ever because I came here before I could vote in Ghana and I have never been able to vote for presidents in the United States. So this year is going to be a very special year. This is also the year I turned 40. So <laughs> great things are coming. So thank you so much for your support. Please go to our social media platforms and like and support us and share this podcast with your friends and family. And I hope to see you all next week. Thank you very much.